Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mimi and I were, um, were commenting at length yesterday about how, look, how good you look with the beard. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, that's the first thing I said to him. The beard looked sensational in HD. Yeah, it did. It, it was shining. Yeah, and your hair looked as well. Did you get someone to do your hair? No, but I picked that up on the monitor. I had no idea what they put in my hair. They just they sprayed it, but that was it. It looked great. They use all kinds of different products. Yeah. You can never really right. get a read on exactly. On curly what hair, they use this stick, and it makes right. it go amazingly like wavy. So it gets right. rid of all the frizz mm. and makes it really wavy. And like I said to the woman, "Oh, where, what is that product? Can I get it?" She's like, oh, it's sort of salon only." And I was like, I, really, <laughs> I wish I'd got the name of it so I could get it online. You or have something. to be professional to use it. Yeah, they wouldn't put it in the hands of anyone. It's like a, it's like a firearm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, let's do this. Chaps, we're at the um, halfway stage in the Champions League group stage now. Um, I wondered if you would be able to give us a, a kind of overview or a state of play. Who's impressed you? Who hasn't impressed you? What we've learned from the competition so far this season? Well, City have impressed me, but I think they tend to impress in the group stages and we need to wait and see what they do 
come February, but uh, certainly on say, Tuesday night against Atalanta, I thought Raheem Sterling was fantastic. Um, and it was a team that I suppose came overcame some adversity in that they went behind, um, they lost Rodri early on, and they still found a way to win. And you'd expect City to do that because they've got the best coach in the world. They're well-resourced. They have got depth, even though they find a problem position every year. Yeah. Left back, albeit now at centre-back. But they've impressed, and I'd say also PSG. Um, but again, you're judging PSG on what I would say is still quite a weak group. Um, and I count Real Madrid in that <laughs> because yeah. Madrid... Are pretty average at Galatasaray to look they? average as yeah. they as they did against uh, Brugge, but you look at that PSG is um, front line and they've just got so many weapons, um, ones that you know that has remain holstered uh, like Neymar either because he's been suspended or he's been injured. Um, you've got uh, Di Maria who is often forgotten about. Um, post-Madrid, post-Manchester United, and he's having a fantastic season. Um, has probably been their best player this year under under Tuchel. And they've just got so much going for them. And I think the balance of the team is better than it has been probably since they had that midfield of Matuidi, Verratti, Thiago Motta. Um, and also, I must say, some, someone that I'd written off as being in decline and reaching the kind of end of his career, the twilight is not, Thiago, not Thiago Andy Bressel. I was going to say, of course not. Outrageously rude. One of his favourite players, Thiago uh, uh, Silva. Yeah. yeah, and I'm pretty much sure I'm younger than him as well. Yeah. I definitely look younger yeah. than him. What, what's, the, what's happened with Thiago Silva? Because people assumed he was kind of on his way out, and now you're saying he's having this bit, bit of an Indian summer in his, in his career. I think a huge part of that is he's not expected to be the leader anymore. Mm. And that's something that he's a terrific defender, but he's never been a terrific a particularly terrific leader and that's because he's someone who's who's deeply emotional he's a real warrior and that's what he does best and mm. i think almost marquinhos the the younger brazilian defender um that, that they've got he's the more natural leader and it was interesting wasn't it earlier in the season to see <clears throat> the paris saint-germain fans get out that enormous tifo for marquinhos just to say you are our leader. Mm. You, you are the, the guy who's in charge despite everything that's that's happened in, in, in recent years. You're the one we can hang our hat on. You're the one we can trust. And that's curious, isn't it, Andy? Because really since Slatan left, I think they've struggled to identify yes. a leader. They brought in Buffon, even though Buffon was not necessarily going to be their starting goalkeeper, but but to be someone who had a big voice in the dressing room. A focal room. point, a kind of guy people could look to and exactly. say, this is, I've done this before, this is how we do this, and just someone to, to look to. You know? But could Thomas Tuchel be said to have diminished Buffon's influence by not giving him the role he wanted oh, absolutely. or expected? And as we saw at the weekend, fact, he diminished I know two going to bring, bring this up, but you know, if Buffon yeah. doesn't make that 93rd minute save... From uh, from Felipe uh, from Federico, Federico Santander, that's yeah. a brilliant then, save. Then they don't they don't win the game. It's a know? brilliant save. Still and got a lot to offer, Gigi. You know, and I think I think if I were to head if I were to <laughs> write the newspaper headline for that um, particular incident on that story, I would probably use the headline "Goalkeeper makes save," <laughs> which is very much as I understand part of his job description, James. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> or, or, or as uh, Andy Jacobs pointed out to me on Talksport, Santander yeah. thought it was a banker. Yeah, oh. exactly. Can I just say I had absolutely no real strong opinion of Gianluigi Buffon until I met James <laughs> I thought he was a great keeper I just you know well, he's, he's kind of like these guys part of the furniture of European football as long as I can remember yeah. but when James 
put his cards on the table, I sensed a weakness. <laughs> and I tried to exploit yeah, I it. I suppose the reason for that is I've always built him up to be more than a goalkeeper. You have, and yeah. We, we judge him on... on Mesh K and keeper. Is, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, what about... I tell you, let me, let me turn your attention if I can very quickly because I'm sure we could all talk about PSG and City for until the cows come home. But the, the most interesting group um, I'll posit to you guys at this halfway stage is actually Group G with Leipzig on top. Zenit St. Petersburg in second place. Benfica have found it very, very difficult. Only have that one win um, over Leon at home. And really, the way they played, they should be out of it. Yeah. I mean, this already. is typically the group that Porto are drawn in. Um, it's either this one or Group H, <laughs> which has Chelsea, Ajax, Valencia, and Lille. The one that is eminently get outtable. Can I just. I mean, Porto right. have been unfortunate this year in that they've been drawn in that same group. But in the Europa League, yeah. <laughs> can I also, how did they do it? Can I also offer that? That's I'll tell you when I look at that. Um, when I look at that, um, RB Leipzig, Zenit St. Petersburg, Leon, Benfica Group G. In my mind, I'm thinking straight away, that's a Man United group. That is, <laughs> yes. they always get a group like that as well. But they're not even in it this year. But have you been, in, Andy? I'll come to you. Have you been impressed with Leipzig? I know a lot's been made of um, of of their potential chances in the Bundesliga this season, but the top of their Champions League group, yes, it is a, an eminently winnable group, but you've got to go out there and do it. And so far they have done that. Julian Nagelsmann, I think will not believe his luck so far because mm. um, they looked green, committed a load of errors in their last game against Lyon. And then Lyon go and chuck one in in the final minutes of, of, of that game against Benfica. I mean, literally chuck one in. Anthony Lopez... Portuguese goalkeeper for Leon. <laughs> what are you just, saying? Just, just throwing it to Pitsy yeah. to just dink over him. Oh, but the, thi- mean, I, the thing is, Infowars.com. I, I James Horncastle with the conspiracy. Now, now, we've had Brexit. <laughs> I will not stand for that or this. Come on. Sorry, Andy James was just saying that jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the thing is, is I guess Lopez, who is a keeper who will. Get no criticism for it because he's an absolute Leon hero. He's loved by the ultras. He saves them time and time again. And that mistake could happen to everyone. But the sort of mistake that that was, it was when you go back to Karius in Kiev, he's just a little bit further down the line from Karius in terms of that mistake because it's 1-1 at the time, uh, the Stadio Deluge. Leon are pushing for a winner. And he goes to the front of his area. He's a very proactive keeper. He learned 80% of what he knows off Hugo Lloris. So he likes to come to the edge of the box. So he oh, collects it. So that's how you explain this error. <laughs> wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> this is a goalkeeper special. I'm loving it. And, and he's, he's just trying to get on with it really quickly. Mm. And so he just gets rid of it without really looking. Now, when you go back to Carrius in the 2018 final, the, the one where the third one where he lets it through his hands when Gareth Bale has the shot from way out, you can tell what he's trying to do. Yes. He's, he's, he's moved on to the next job. Yeah, he's thinking of, yeah. of getting it back up the pitch. And obviously, he hasn't thought about actually actually fielding the shot itself. Mm. So, Lopez has done the first bit. He's fielded the ball. But then, he's got on with the throw without really looking where everyone is. And you wouldn't expect that from such a, an experienced goalkeeper. And at that point, there was only one team that looked as if they were going to win the game and, and it was Leon. they were much better in the in the second half after Memphis equalised the crowd were really on Benfica's backs it was really noticeable even watching watching a feed of it on on, on television um, so so far th- this group feels like teams who've missed chances and given chances I mean I, I would actually say even though it looks an eminently winnable group all of those four teams have quality 
but they've only really shown it in very small parts so far. So you look at that Leipzig-Zenit game, for example. Um, of course, the winner from Sabitzer, which was absolutely fantastic. Beauty, yeah. The first goal uh, by Zenit from Rakitsky, I think it was something that Don Hutchison um, uh, commented on on, on BT Sport um, when you were doing mm. the, 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 the coverage of that before the goal show. And he was, he was marvelling that, I think, that Rakitsky for a centre-back to have that kind of technique. And it's something we see again and again from Rakitsky. He's a really accomplished good free shooter. Kick. Yeah, absolutely. And he's really added something to that defence. He's got so much technique. The funny it thing covers his that. lack of pace, for example. Yeah. The funny thing about that, Andy, was uh, Paul Dempsey, who was commentating on it, saying, you surely won't see a better goal tonight. Yeah. <laughs> And then the winner yeah. from Sabitzer yeah. was the goal of the night, rivaled by Oxlade Chamberlain. I, th- I I think he threw that out there for a bit of commentator's curse. He's like, I want to see a better goal yeah. than that tonight. <laughs> you love that. You got to love Dempo. But the yes. thing about Leipzig, they haven't been in great form of late, um, and you also um, look at what uh, Nagelsmann did in that game. He took off Timo Werner at half time, mm. which was a, mm. a gutsy decision, mm. um, and ultimately they came back from behind. They ended up winning that game. Um, but there was the shot of Timo Werner kind of watching the game. In a coat far too big for him. In a coat far too big for him. Uh, not Didn't look best pleased, even though the result obviously ended up going his team's way. Yeah. Um, but someone who didn't really affect the game at all. And yeah, it's, it's often these decisions, it, unless you get the kind of three points, they, they are outcome judged, I'd say, you know, yeah, absolutely. For, for, for Nagelsmann, absolutely. because if, if, if that, if that doesn't change at that, that scoreline and he's taken his best player off and there doesn't seem, I don't, you'll know better than me, and it doesn't seem there was an injury. Um, then yeah, it can really come back to, my, to my, haunt it. Well, my, my rather sort of rudimentary reading of it, and I'll obviously leave the expert analysis to you guys. It's just that in that situation, if they lose to Zenit there, the table looks so different. I mean, they're in big trouble. They know they have to win it, yeah, particularly at home. That's right. But I don't just think it's Champions League, Luke. I think mm. we'll, we'll talk about the Bundesliga more widely later on. But the, the main problem that Nagelsmann has had so far this season and the main thing that's put a break both on their title ambitions, although they're by no means out of it, of course, again, as we'll discuss later, and has really put a break on their, their, their chances of having a perfect start. They look very tentative at home. Leipzig and, right. and, and to an extent that's understandable and that's a problem that to an extent predates Nagelsmann because they're very much a reactive counter-attacking sort of side now he's yeah. a coach who you would expect in time to give them a more varied palette an ability to take the game to teams as well and that's how he evolved Hoffenheim for example um but I can't really think of an authoritative home performance they've they've given so far this right. season. So for them to come out in the second half and turn it around didn't just feel significant in terms of reviving their hopes in the Champions League. And of course, you know, it's by no means done. They've still got to go to Zenit next, for example, and that's mm. going to be really tough for them. But in terms of them going some way to fixing a problem that looked like it might fetter their season and might still fetter their season is really important. I'd also just add one last thing on that is how big a result that is for Nagelsmann, not only because of the change he made, but remember what his Hoffenheim team were like in the Champions League. You know, they were a team that was much hyped because of him and where he's come from and didn't deliver. We seem to be as a team that was too kamikaze to play in the Champions League or progress Mm. in the Champions League. I think there was a, a real feeling that again, unless they turned that around last night this question mark over Nagelsmann 
in the Champions League and whether his his style can actually deliver and get results in it um, was going to continue. Um, but I, I think there's a lot that's a much better team than his Hoffenheim side. I was about to say, talent. yeah, I was about to say. I mean, you know, uh, we'll, we'll keep it Champions League for now. If you don't mind, chats. We'll talk as Andy says. We'll talk a bit about Germany later. But if you look at the the, the, the team that. Nagelsmann, all the players he's got at his disposal. I mean, Timo Werner, um, Emil Forsberg. Best young defence in European football. Yeah, Apamakano is really highly rated. People, Everyone wants him, apparently. And Konate next to him is perhaps even better. Mm. Exactly. But didn't um, Orban play? Yes. Last night? Yeah. yeah. And then Sabitza, of course. Um, they've got um, the Danish international guy Paulson. on the bed, Paulsen, who scored last year. His name is Yusuf Paulsen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they've got a lot of um, a lot of sort of players to be excited about what, what, what do you think is realistic for them and you, you, you'd fancy them to get out of the group and, and maybe progress but what, what, what is realistic for I've, them and for I've, Nagelsmann I feel less convinced about them getting out of the group right. um, next game's key isn't it than, yeah than, than I did before the start at the start before any games had been played I, I thought they would they would get out of the group and it would be between uh, Zenit and Lyon because Benfica in recent years have always flattered to deceive in, in, in a Champions League context yeah um, but they've, they've they've given themselves a chance. But I think it's, it's it's just a chance. If if they've got to the last sixteen, I think they've done well. Given that, as James says, Nagelsmann is kind of learning on the job in a in in a, in a Champions League context. I mean, two of their last three games in the Champions League are away from home. Yeah. So and against arguably the best. I think they get next game against Zenit. Two key. other teams they, in the group. If they beat Zenit away, mm. they're in they're in good shape. Um, can I ask you very quickly both about Inter? beating Dortmund, a massive win for them. They were sitting bottom of their Champions League group of what is obviously a very competitive group uh, going into this game. I thought they acquitted themselves really well. Um, obviously, they got the second goal late on on the break and, and that's perhaps to be expected. But the, the breakthrough goal, which looked borderline offside, but he just kind of got away with it. Your man again, goal bay, Lataro Martinez, <laughs> breaking the deadlock. It, what, what do you make of this Inter team? I, I, I think, and as I, said, as I said to you, I make no bones about it to, to the listeners. I said to you before we came on today, as soon as Inter got drawn in that group, I had a bet on them to win the whole thing because if they go through the group, you can trade out later on because they were such a big price because the group is so tough. Yeah. But they've, they've given themselves a chance now, haven't they? They have. Ultimately, the one regret that they have so far is that draw against Slavia Prague at San Siro on match mm. day one when they only got an equaliser in stoppage time from Barella. They, but they played... perhaps look better than we'd expect Slavia Prague, haven't they? Yes, and we'll maybe get to them in a moment because I thought they were probably the better team against Barcelona last night. But Inter were very, very good for an hour against Barcelona at the Camp Nou and I think deserved more than they got yes. in that game. Um, and going into this match, a lot of the focus was on how... Inter have started to concede goals. You know, they conceded eight in their last four games, three at the weekend against Sassuolo. My, my game of the week? Was Your that? game of the week, Lukey. 4-3? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Carry, no, carry on. I just wanted to You're allowed a game of the week? This is bullshit. I'm changing it. I'm changing it up. <laughs> I am now. <laughs> what I counter to that is, if you look at the opponents that they played, Juventus, Barcelona, who only beat them late, and it was some messy Suarez magic that undid them. Mm -hmm. And then the Sassuolo game, you know, they're four one up, uh, and ultimately they make changes with the Dortmund game in mind, and particularly particularly Valentin Lazzaro, who they brought on, had a nightmare, and Sassuolo were able to get at him and get back into the game. But 
without ever giving the impression that they were going to actually win it or equalise, I'd say. But in this one, they were really controlled, really yeah. measured. I thought it was a mature performance. But Brozovic was fantastic, wasn't he? Brozovic was great. And he, over the last, I'd say, 18 months, has really matured and developed into one of the best kind of deep-lying playmakers in European football, uh, in my opinion. He needs a good meal. He does. He does look gaunt, doesn't <laughs> he? Does, it's so gaunt, yeah. Yep. But the delay on that pass for the second goal was, was absolutely great, yeah. exquisite. Was and they limited Dortmund to five shots. Not five shots on target, five shots in the entire game. Mm. And I was a little bit surprised by that, even though Dortmund with, were without Paco Alcacer and Marco Royce, um, because they played three guys up front who all have the profiles that kind of cause this inter-back three problems in Sancho, in Julian Brandt um, and Torgan Hazard. And the, the, the players who've given that inter-defence issues have been the kind of tens who play between the lines, not your big burly centre-forwards who like to play up against centre-backs or the guys that you can put crosses into the box for because inter, that's meat and drink for their back line. All those three can handle and themselves, can't they? Yeah. those guys never got a look in. Uh, last night, partly because I think Inter, they decided not to press at all. On, they only pressed on goal kicks or set pieces. And they just stood off and said, come on then, break us down. Mm. And then they were able to play through um, Dortmund. And I think Conte made a lot of this after the game. He felt it was a big compliment that Lucien Favre, who never or rarely changes his tactics, changed and went to mirror Conte's 3-5-2 um, and it wasn't a game that Inter prepared for because they prepared to play a team that was going to play 4-2-3-1 with different personnel, and yet they were able to adjust in-game. Um, and of course, then when Dortmund went back to what they know, 4-2-3-1, Inter were like, fine, brilliant. Yeah. This is what we planned for, and I thought they got better as the game went on. I, I also I felt... That's... Sorry, I'm just going to point this to you. Uh, I, f- I felt that um, Dortmund, and perhaps this is understandable away from home, they looked a bit overrun in the midfield, like Witzel and Delaney. I thought Delaney had a really poor game, and they and they got they got a bit overrun. I thought maybe that's understandable because Inter are a good team at home, but it was a bit well, disappointing. No, I think Witzel was a, a little bit off the pace as, as well. well. Yeah. I mean, for part of that, I think you can say they had the weekend game against Schalke, the Rafia derby in 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 their minds because that is absolutely huge, and that's mm. something that they 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 really need to make a good job of. Um, but I do wonder if Witzel and Delaney are in two minds a little bit as well because um, that defence needs a lot of protection at yeah. the moment, I, I, I feel. And um, yeah, the, the, the shape of the team was a, a bit ugly. I think that the fact that when you've got Hummels and Weigel at centre-back, they're, they're both fantastic on the ball. They're both positionally excellent. If they get beaten, there's not really any comeback because they're not particularly quick. Uh, which mm. I, I do think is an issue. Why do they play the same two midfield players then in a difficult derby game in the weekend in the Bundesliga and then play it again in a difficult away game in the Champions League? Well, they, they, they wanted to get a result out of this. And also... And he I thinks think, that's their, his best combo. Yeah, I, I think they don't know really where they're at defensively at the moment. It's like Akanji is kind of being hidden a little bit at, at, at right back. Right. Um, <laughs> he had a really poor game there at the weekend against against Gladbach and um, he's, he's not in great... Nick at all at, at the moment. Um, I thought the role of uh, Ashraf Hakimi was a little bit ill-defined. Was he a wing back? Was he a winger? Mm. Um, and also, I, I just think what you were saying about that front three, James, um, 
the, the, the fact that none of them really have a striker's instinct, mm. I, I think, really played into into Inter's hands. They, they just weren't getting anyone in the penalty box. And it's something that Michael Sork talked about afterwards. But I think you saw right at the end of the first half where they were getting a little bit of joy getting around the back of Inter. And I think Inter's tactics were always going to dictate that that could be the case. If Dortmund were going to get at them, it would be from wide areas. And they weren't able to do that nearly often enough. But when Sancho got in had that shot and it was saved very well by Handanovic. There's no one there mm. to, to pick it. There's no one in the... No there, one with that instinct to follow up. Yeah. Exactly. There's think one, positive. There's one player who's just in the penalty box and that's Nico Schultz, the left back. Yeah, I know he's quite an attacking left back, but still, come on. Yeah, that was a that was brilliant piece of play from Sancho. He kind of pulled that shot away from nowhere. No back lift. Didn't really see it coming. Yeah. It's a good save actually, wasn't it? Down let low by Handanovic. But, but, a, but a quiet a quiet night for him on the whole and yeah. after he was left out of the, the, the squad for the game against Borussia Mönchengladbach at the weekend he was again late back from international duty he's just making his way off the naughty step of course he scored the winner against Schalke at the Veltins Arena last year in the fixture there so if he did something like that again this year yeah. that would maybe make a bit of reparation I think I already know what Andy's game of the week is going to be <laughs> give, give us a couple of minutes just very quickly on Sancho and the, state, the current status of him at Dortmund well, they are not only trying to bring a young player into line, but I think they're trying to protect an investment as well um, because they know realistically that they probably won't be able to hold him beyond the end of this season. Um, nevertheless, he remains an important player to them for the moment, a very important player to them for the moment. Obviously, his, his productivity is absolutely off the scale. But also, I think they want to steer him away from going in the sort of direction that Usman Dembele went in. Mm. Because I think when you're uh, selling a player for the sort of volume of money that they're going to be selling him for, and they will sell him for more than they sold Dembele for, I don't think there's any doubt about that, especially as he's English, and especially as there's that Premier League market out there for him. I I I think people look at Dembele and they almost overlook the fact that he's been... So clutch for Barcelona. Incidentally, elsewhere, I think if you look at this group, beyond Dortmund, beyond Inter, the story of the group is really the fact that Barcelona have been really lucky so far. Mm. You know, they they could have they could have dropped points against they should have dropped points against Inter. They should have lost to Dortmund on match day one. Stegen. Yeah, a- absolutely. They've been heavily criticized for their performance against in Prague, Slavia, against, Prague against, yeah. against Slavia. So this group could look very differently without a few little slights of hand. But going back to the the, the Dembele Sancho thing, I think that people overlook the fact that Dembele's come up big at so many moments for Barcelona because of the other stuff, because of oversleeping, because of the talk about his attitude and I think Dortmund are having half a look and thinking well we don't want people to think that Sancho is going to become another Dembele because that's going to limit our ability to cash in on him to the extent that we want to so what they want to do is preserve not just the player for now who's an incredibly important player for them now but they want to preserve the image of the player internationally as a young man who's uh, come abroad uh, to, to a country and a league that he doesn't know, worked incredibly hard and has been a huge asset for the team. They don't want him to get a reputation for poor timekeeping. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. All right, so when I do little notes for this um, show, yeah. I normally write down a little pricey of what we're going to talk about and the little bullet points just to help me out. Um, and for Germany, the Bundesliga this week, I've literally just put, it's lit. The Fundesliga. <laughs> it is lit. The Fundesliga. Exactly, James. Um, state of play in in Germany's top flight at the moment is that Borussia Mönchengladbach sit top of the table on goal difference on 16 points. But there are two points separating the top nine teams going all the way down to Bayer Leverkusen in ninth. Is this just an anomaly of the early season where everyone's shuffling and kind of jostling for position and we'll see it settle down? Or are we seeing something a little bit more interesting here, Andy Brassel? I think it might settle down. Um, but I think the feeling that no one wants to win it at this early stage is yeah. a, a little bit overwhelming. And that was enhanced last weekend because, of course, as we said, Gladbach lost at Dortmund, yet stayed top. There were five teams who had the opportunity to, six teams who had the opportunity to overtake them mm. um, over, over the rest of the weekend. And they all missed it. Dortmund and um Eintracht Frankfurt are the only teams in that top bracket who actually won last weekend, mm. which is which is extraordinary, really. I mean, Schalke were the, the the team who last had the opportunity to 
to to, to leapfrog um, Gladbach. They could have, they could have done that in the in the late game on Sunday. And they went and lost and give give a really ordinary second half performance at, at Hoffenheim, who are now have got two successive wins, having beaten Bayern away before the international break. And it was interesting, I think, seeing David Wagner come out afterwards and. Um, greet his players and of course shepherd them towards the away fans you you have to do that you have to you should do that anyway but it's, mm. a, it's a big part of the Bundesliga experience but I, I after that second half performance if I was David Wagner I would have been come on lads what on earth was that and he was all giving them a pat on the back was, oh well you know we're in development really? what, what do you expect <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know oh you, you're rubbish don't worry about it kind of thing not not that they're rubbish but that they have limits I think that's something that he's very conscious of. I think a lot of these teams have limits. Now, the big question, quite apart from Schalke Dortmund this weekend, is Bayern. And, you know, we were talking... FC Bayern, Fußballmeisters. I think you should leave the Fußballmeister bit off until we get to the end of this section. (laughs) (laughs) We'll maybe condition it. They play Union Berlin this weekend, don't they? Yeah, they they do. And, you know, you would expect them to... As a banker. Yeah, you would expect them. Yeah, it's Santander. It is. But I, I think... I actually do bank with Santander as well. Really? Yeah. Good old you. Carry on. Yeah. Uh, I think there are there are two aspects to, to to this. Firstly, when we're talking about the Champions League at the top, and there are those three teams that have got maximum points so far, Paris Saint-Germain, Manchester City, and Bayern. And they've all left very differing impressions <laughs> in the Champions League so far. Um and, and Bayern conceding two goals again. I think that's the fourth successive game. As they did against Spurs. Yeah, and, exa- exa- exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's the second thing and the most important thing in the Bundesliga context, in the two league games since they did beat Spurs, they've played Hoffenheim at home, Augsburg away. Six points. Mm. One point. Yeah. One point from how those much, two how games. They've lost Stuhler. Yeah, he's not, a big, big blow for them. Not, not only Zula, who of course... Um, He'll be out for the rest of the season. Yeah, then, yeah. He, and probably the Euros. He did his ACL really at sad. Augsburg last week. They conceded in the first minute and the last minute at Augsburg, which, which seems unbelievably reckless. The other thing is, when they were at Olympiacos this week, and we're talking about Manchester City and their problem position, Lucas Hernandez did his ankle ligaments this week and uh, in Olympiacos and he's going to have an operation. Now he would have been one of the, the key people to cover for, for Zula. And you look at that and you think it's, it's unfortunate for Bayern. You, you have to feel for them because here's a guy who's their record signing and the club are absolutely furious because Dr. Müller-Wolfart sent a, a note, a full report actually to the French football federation before the last international break saying, don't play Hernandez. He isn't fit enough. So what do they do? Right. They play him. Right. So what happens a week later? Yeah. He, he gets an injury that's going to see him out till New Year and possibly longer. And of course, he arrived injured in the first place. He's still adapting to the Bundesliga. Made an error in the build-up to the second Augsburg equaliser that sort of pointed to the fact that maybe he's still A, not fit and fight, B, finding his, his mark. So they're in a position where they look as if... Joran Boateng, a player who they've been shopping for over a year, 
is probably going to become a relatively important one again over the next couple of months. Is it too simplistic? I mean, you look down at the top nine teams in the Bundesliga that I mentioned at the start of this, and only by a Leverkusen... The top nine teams. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> only by a Leverkusen... Top nine's the new top four. ...have conceded more goals than, than Bayern Munich. Is it too yes. simplistic to say that they're, they're actually been a little bit fortunate that Lewandowski's been in such good form yeah. to bail them out? Absolutely. Is that too simplistic or is that no, accurate? I, I don't think it is simplistic, Luke, because right. if, you, if you look at both ends of the pitch... When Lewandowski's not scoring, you wonder who is scoring. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've you've had the exceptions. So, Gnabry, he's got fifty five percent of their goals in the Bundesliga this season. It feels like more. Yeah, it really feels like more. And mm. if you look at the exceptions to that this season, where uh, Gnabry went off in the second half at Spurs, um, like that um, Corentin Tolisso thunderbolt in, in the in the week against Olympiacos, it feels as if they're, you know, outstanding moments, acts of God rather than, you know, all-round um, great bits of, of, of team play, which is a, a little bit of a concern. And um, if anything does happen to Lewandowski, there's no real cover for him. The fact as well that if you were to rest or replace Lewandowski, which I know is very, very unlikely at the moment, but if they were to um, find themselves in a situation where they had to do that or they wanted to do that, who would you say was the most obvious choice to go in the middle? Probably Thomas Muller. Now, Thomas Muller is thought to... You didn't even give me a chance to answer that then. I would have said Thomas Muller as well. (laughs) He's been shopped around as well. We do have quite similar voices, so the listeners aren't to know that you didn't say that. (laughs) Isn't he being shopped around as well, though? Well, he wants to leave, doesn't he? Yeah, he's 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 quite keen. But they're not, to, are they not in the same position that Spurs are in with Kane, for example? It's impossible to have someone as a backup because he's so reliable. Well, they had they had it for a while with uh, Sandro Wagner, and that didn't last. I thought it, it it played okay while they had it. I mean, he's not a very Bayern type of player, but I think the fact that he was quite a different type of player was something that um, made him made him a bit valuable. I think Wagner, for most of the time he was there, until it went wrong at the end. It worked out how Spurs hoped Llorente would work out as as, as cover for Kane, really. Mm. Um, but you know they've they've got lots of players who should be able to to drop into that central position because Lewandowski's such a warrior. It's not become an issue. But I think what the issue with Müller is, as you say, he's not particularly happy at the moment. Um, that there's the feeling that Kovac hasn't handled him particularly well, and there's also that feeling with. Javi Martinez, who again came off against Olympiacos, but he's going to be a more and more important player now in being a linchpin for that mid- midfield because with the defensive injuries, Kimmich is going to move back to right back. Now, some people would say he should have been at right back all along. I would say that, for example, mm-hmm. and that Bayern quite miss him when he's not a right back. So if there is a silver lining to the defensive injuries that Bayern are suffering at the moment, it does mean with Pavar probably needed in the centre of defence that. Kimmich will be moved back to his ideal position, really. Any German thoughts from you, James? Well, Muller will outlast Kovac, without doubt. I think well, that's what he's banking he on. That. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like Bale and Zidane, really, isn't, you know, it, I mean, isn't it? But even a, more so. There's a lot of politicking. You know, read between the lines whenever you hear the players talk. You know, I think Neuer gave an interview in France football um, this week where he was saying you know, that every pass... You know that you can't have a meaningless pass. It has to. It has to transmit a message to the recipient of that pass. <laughs> Jesus. And the, the, what he's saying there is, you know, when we had Pep Guardiola, we played a very sophisticated passing style. And you know, poor old Kovac. You, you, you can, de- you, you can deduce that um, these passing patterns are not as sophisticated. Uh, on the contrary, they're 
quite reductive, uh, quite limited on the Nico Kovac. And that's been a suspicion all along. And I mean, yeah, looking at that table in the Bundesliga right now, I think the one thing that is holding Bayern back and one of the things that's going to be really interesting with all these injuries is that the two teams at top, um, Wolfsburg and Gladbach, are the two teams with the best defences in the league. Yeah, Wolfsburg have have got statistically the best defence so far and, and, and yeah. they've, they're have they the only unbeaten team still. Yeah. I think the other team, when we're talking of Kovac, that's worth a mention is, is Eintracht Frankfurt, actually, because... In um, eighth, just two yeah. points off the top. And when you bear in mind, they beat by Leverkusen 3-0 last week, and when you bear in mind that they've gone from strength to strength under Kovac, but of course they've lost their big front three of Rebic, Jovic, Jovic. and Alaa. Mm. And yet... They've managed to find a way to, you know, they've been pretty prolific so far this season. And they've replaced them with forwards who are, like, couldn't really be more different. Baz so, Dost. Baz Dost. Gold Dost. Baz Dost, who probably wouldn't have played last weekend. Scored. If, if it hadn't, yeah, but he probably wouldn't have played last weekend if it hadn't have been for a, a late injury to Andre Silva because they've been going with Silva and Paciencia up front and Paciencia has been really terrific so far the headline of that you've game you've got the click Andy. with Kovac who comes in from the um, Kostic sorry who comes yeah. in from the left Kovac if I was going to say yeah, he's busy uh, enough as it is yeah, Kostic who comes in from the the, the left hand side and Dost does Bosch link. should have been the headline <laughs> shouldn't it probably Do- Dost does Bosch carry yeah. on sorry yeah, you say it dust, so it doesn't really work. <laughs> okay, no, fair no, enough. Never, never mind. But they're very different types of strikers. You you look at Paciencia is the only one of those three strikers, if you look at Silva and Dust as well, who really does anything outside the penalty box. He's a bit bigger physically. He's not as good as Alaire, and he's got not got as wide a palette as Alaire, mm. but he is someone who... Um, can hold the ball up, who can bring other people into play, who can find a, a pass. So I, th- I think that is an indication of how much, at least initially, they missed Alla, that that they've relied a little bit more on Paciencia, who was very much a, a sub for a lot of last season, although he did have a knee injury. But that was never a, that was never season. a 3-0 game, by the way. Frankfurt's keeper was, if it's the one I'm thinking of, Frankfurt's keeper had an absolute blinder. Yeah, Frederick Runov. Uh, yeah. he, he, had a, he had a really good game. and They had more shots, Leverkusen. They had more, much more of the ball as well. Yeah, the, the, although I would say they were only good in the second half, by which right. time they were 2-0 down already. But Runov had a really good game and um, it's remarkable for two reasons. Firstly, he was standing in for Kevin Trapp, who who, who was out, who's you know undoubtedly the first choice there. And a lot of... Frankfurt fans have not got a great deal of confidence in Runov, but he got absolutely no sleep before the game because he had his first child, a daughter, the day before the game, the night before the game. Right, turns up at the ground, half asleep, and then just has the game of his life, playing on instinct. <laughs> James, let's get stuck into a bit of Cagliari. It's their centenary season. Um, lots to be um, happy about. They're keeping in touch with the top of the table. They're two points off the Champions League places, despite actually having to navigate some difficult games so far mm. already this season in Serie A. Um, what do you make of them so far? And what, what do you think is realistic for them? Well, they invested a lot in the team in the summer um, because of this historic occasion that is... 100 years since the club was founded. Mm. and We I talked think, a bit about that at the start of the season, didn't we? Yeah, and I suppose the big surprise, uh, Luke, when you, know, you look at the table today, is that 
yes, they've invested a lot in the team, but their star players, for the most part, have been out injured. They've suffered bad injuries. So I'm talking about the goalkeeper, Alessio Carano, who I thought with Sirigu last year was the best Italian goalkeeper in Serie A. Mm. He suffered a bad back injury in their first, I think, Coppa Italia game against Chievo. And yeah, they've had to delay and delay and delay his his return they signed Robin Olsen from from Roma and Robin Olsen had an absolute horror show of a season last year so that didn't really give you a lot of confidence um, that without Cragno that they could do well and also Cagliari are really interesting because uh, in Serie A there was a report a couple of weeks ago about how nobody crosses anymore crosses are dead right, <laughs> right. and yet Cagliari cross and cross and cross and that's because they have the air attack. Uh, and the, the premier feature of that is Pavoletti, the guy who used to have a pet pig. Right. Um, and Well, you're going to have to tell us more about that straight away. Well, I mean, he had, a, I think it was a pet, it looked like Vietnamese pig when he was back in uh, Livorno, one of those micro pig kind yeah. of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think when he moved, um, he he had to put the pig up for adoption. Or it's with, I can't remember, a family member. Anyway. Pavoletti suffered a really no, no, no. bad injury. Where where is it? Well, I'll have to do some digging. I mean, that's <laughs> why I'll win my Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. To, Team uh, feast. Find out where it is, yeah. But uh Pavoletti, who I think has scored more headed goals than I mean, he's up there with Giroud, for example, over the last few years in Europe's top five leagues. Um, he goes down, his you know, with his knee blows out. And so all of a sudden it's like, well, what do we do? And they signed Giovanni Simeone towards the end of the uh transfer window. And yeah, they've been able um, to still get results. I think they're unbeaten in something like five or six games now. Um, and yeah, they went to Napoli and won for the first time in a long, long time. They were lucky in that game. Napoli's finishing let them down. They hit the woodwork a few times. and Had a man often, often there as well. Yeah, and Cagliari only won that in stoppage time with more or less their only chance of the game. Um, but yeah, you have this momentum behind the team. I should mention also in terms of their injuries, Nyingalan, you know, he he rocked up and they were without him, I think, for three or four games after he picked up an injury, scored an absolute blinder hmm. um, at the weekend. Um, and yeah, they've got a lot of uh, good momentum going for, for them. And you look at that midfield, it's actually a really good uh, midfield with Nyingalan Rog, who's been at Napoli for a while and has been talked about as a player with good potential, but never really got the opportunity to show it at Napoli. Nahita Nandes, who's part of the Boca side that reached the Libertadores final, he's been very good as well. And yeah, with Lucas Castro, another guy who I absolutely love because when he was at Chievo, he used to just go and busk on the streets of Verona. Nice. Um, and if you follow him on Instagram, he's always got his guitar in hand and he's either you know, performing covers or he's performing his own music. Um, and when he was when he was at Kiev, they had like a band of Argentines who would, be, and it was literally a band. They would you know go around to his place and they would get the pots and pans out and play play music together. He's been very good. He and sounds he was great. Out for a long time last year, and he's actually a very useful player. Um, and then João Pedro. Um, and and Simeone have done the business uh, up front so far with with both of them still being able to direct these crosses on goal uh, with headers. So yeah, they th- I I struggle to believe that they'll be able to stay the course, um, but they they uh, they want to push for Europa League, even though the owner yesterday was basically asked about this brilliant start to the season, what a fairy tale it is. 
um, finally getting some good PR after a lot of the, yeah. you know, the racist incidents that unfortunately we've seen whenever yeah. uh, teams go and play in Cagliari. Finally, some good PR. He was saying, no, look, our objective is, of course, just to stay in the top flights. It's not. They, yeah, you don't put the money that they've put into this team mm. unless you want to do something big to mark this centenary year. Can I ask you a, a more, I suppose, a kind of sort of specialist question about, we mentioned that it's their centenary year. And mm. I think a lot of people who <clears throat> think of the Italian mindset and think of Italian football will probably have a kind of romantic vision of, of what type of football is over there and how they play it and how they sort of interact with football. Is it, is it something that can sustain them? Is it something that because it's a centenary year, they'll have an emotional investment in it? Is that something that actually means something to Italian teams and players in the Italian league and Tal- Italians at large? Or is that just a, a romanticised sort of cliche of a British person? No, thinking it, of them? It, it's certainly um, provoked and, and, and been a source of inspiration for the owner to, to do something this year. And mm. I think the, the players are and the manager are feeding off that. Um, also because um, they have... The coach, Rolando Maran, he um, is one of those kind of quite under the radar good coaches, I suppose, in that he kept Kiev honest and in the league for for much longer than you know, a team of that ability um, yeah, should have been, really. Mm. And when they sacked him, that's when everything kind of went to went to pot. Um, and he, I think still, he was the guy who was at Catania, who led Catania to their best ever finish, the most points. I think they finished top eight. And was able to, again, sort of take a team that had already done well under Diego Simeone. Remember when Diego first came to Europe and was coach of Catania and Vincenzo Montella. He actually took that team on a little bit. So they've got all the thing, because it's his second season, there was an expectation as well that they could they could do better in this scenery, centenary year. But I would say that the real tipping point, it comes from seeing seeing Tommaso Giulini basically go out and bring Rajana England back to the club. Yeah. Because, and, and circumstances have had to coincide uh, here because in normal, I would say no one would have expected England to go back to Cagliari at this stage of his career when he's still in his early 30s. Yeah, he's ultimately gone because his wife, who he met whilst he was in Sardinia, is uh, undergoing treatment for breast cancer, wants mm. to be close to her family. Um, and also, yeah, Inter decided to clean house in the summer and get rid of Nyingalan, get rid of Icardi, get rid of Perisic, um, and have said, well, yeah, let's send him on loan to you. So all of those things have, have, have aligned. But I do think these centenaries and these anniversaries do mean something. Um, to, do they to, mean to a clubs. lot more in, in Italy than they would do here for example Wimbledon centenary was crap we had some poor quality <laughs> fireworks and then we lost at home to QPR yeah. well I think, <laughs> I think the, the <laughs> there other, we go the other thing to add here Luke, a comparison. is that you know Cagliari um, are the kind of only representative of Sardinia I suppose if you look at Sicily then you've got Palermo you've got Catania you've got Messina you've got all these clubs that at one stage or another have uh, been in Serie A, sometimes have been in Serie A all at the same time. Um, Cagliari are the only exponent of Sardinia. And that, I think that, again, is why these things mean more um, to, to clubs like that, because they're they're representing um, not just a city, not just a region, but an entire island with its own, with its own identity. So I think that is, there's a willingness to see this team that, let's not forget, is one of the, few provincial clubs to actually come out and win the league 
um, back in the 70s is um, they've got a lot of history and tradition which they draw on. And I think, again, that's why this this really is significant to them that they do something and they that they honour that history this year. What do you make of the Ballon d'Or shortlist, guys? I mean, I'm not somebody who really cares too much about um, individual awards. It's going to be a short conversation. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> but I thought some of our listeners might be interested in, in your guys' take on, on it. I mean, the obvious people are on there, obviously. Um, what's your, what's your, what are your general thoughts about it? Uh, well, I think it's, it's fair enough that Liverpool have got the most players on it uh, yeah. because they, they look the, the most complete team um, in Europe last season. And um, the, the goalkeeper's bit of it is really doing my head in, though. Having having said that, I mean, Alisson, yeah. fair enough. One of seven Liverpool players on it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Hugo Lloris, slightly more curious. Yes. Also, James, what did you say to Andy when he said that earlier? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's French. It's France football. I mean, look, ultimately, the, the way they go about this, um, you know, with captains managers journalists it's there is no room for 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 bias to to basically get in on this it's, are you guys are you guys there's, consulted there's room for no, no because it's one journalist per per country oh, okay right who's our one i think it's henry i think it's oh, henry it? okay. Winter, yeah, yeah. okay but there is there is room for for weirdness isn't there because of course the yashin award is between jan Oblak and mark andre Stegen. A lot of people would argue the two best goalkeepers in the world are either of them in the top 30. No. Nope. Okay. I enjoyed France football giving eight reasons why Neymar was not on the list. Well, he's only played half the games he's eligible for. I mean... So it makes him a 50% advantage, <laughs> disadvantage straight away. <laughs> there is that, but they list the they list the injuries, of course. Uh, and then there's like, March 6th, abusing match official after Man United match. April 27th, pushing a supporter. <laughs> he actually punched him. September 14th, <laughs> Jeered by PSG fans. <laughs> That's a reason. <laughs> we can't have you in the shortlist for the best players in the world because a lot of your home fans actually quite hate you. Yeah. And it would be bad look for it'd be a bad look for us. Have you got any thoughts at all? I mean, I've just started this off by saying a lot of the obvious players are in there, obviously. Andy said he doesn't care. Um, and got one well, the, the, a gripe about goalkeepers. James, have you got anything for the us? The surprising thing for me, again, was was Cristiano Ronaldo spoke to the media before the Locomotive Moscow Juventus game and he was asked about the Ballon d'Or. He's like, you know, it's getting close now. Do you want yeah, sixth, sixth title? And he's mm. like, well, individual awards have never been of interest to me. The team comes first um, and, uh, you know, as long as my team is winning... Um, then you know the the awards will follow. It's like <laughs> I love it. The journalist just Chris. Said, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. I will take that. Yeah. I will take that from Sun Hyung Min. I, I, I got, will not take that from you. I got the impression that his mantelpiece in Turin no longer has enough room for for all these Ballon d'Ors that he's won in the past, and he's trying to discourage winning another one because he just doesn't really know where to put it. Sure he so, can get a better, bigger mantelpiece. I, I liked that there was a few Ajax players in there after their season last season. I think they're in a position very much like Liverpool really after their fantastic season in that the the vote is totally split, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I, I do think that the, the, the players of the best teams are, are kind of a, a huge disadvantage. If you're looking below 
Ronaldo and Messi or apart from Ronaldo and Messi or obviously in a league of their own on a, a statistical level, it must be very difficult for one of those guys to win it. I mean, you know, you think of Frank Ribery come, coming close in 2013. And of course, really, he was blown out of the water by that Cristiano Ronaldo performance in the, in, in the World Cup um, playoff second leg in Sweden. That was the moment where he, he really took the title. But even before that, Ribery had to campaign really heavily for himself because you look at how good Bayern were in 2012-13 when they won the Champions League and there were so many other players that you could have gone for. I mean, Robin would be the obvious one. Mm. And then you look at other other outstanding players for them, Neuer, even Javi Martinez was absolutely fantastic and vital to what they were doing last season. And the feeling that, I suppose, with both Liverpool and Ajax, you can say it's, it's a real triumph of... The collective, and even with Liverpool's front three, is uh, it's hard to pick out just one, isn't it? Yeah, and that's that's the problem with these awards, right? That yeah. is that is inherently the problem with the whole thing, because it's a team sport. So if you talk about Spurs getting all the way to the Champions League final, which wasn't expected, I mean, the, the only representatives from Spurs are Son and I think Hugo Lloris. Llorente's not on it. And I know. I wouldn't even it, got to the final without him. I know it's Lucas Moura. You know, so so it's 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 kind of it's kind of interesting. But anyway, I thought it's worth a little mention because um, it's a big story, and people who care about these kind of things will inevitably want us to talk about it. Um, you guys have been absolutely clear and obvious in your disdain for for the very existence of such a thing. Clear and obvious um, is the only way to be. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I might even overturn this section with VAR later yeah. on. <laughs> Was a Stakhanov production. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, ninety-six percent replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a thirty-night guarantee. Plus, get fifteen percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.